a discussion about some outlandish tales service members claimed occurred while in Afghanistan in this spooky Halloween bonus episode. Today, October 31st, 2023. Good morning, early birds. I'm Jonathan Lairfeld, and this is the Early Bird Brief, produced by Defense News and Military Times. Today, for our Halloween bonus episode, I talked with Military Times' John Simpkins and Jeff Zulowitz about some comical conspiracies of purportedly spotted creatures in Afghanistan. John, Jeff, thank you both for being here. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you having us. I wish I was here under less spooky circumstances, but it's good to be here with you as well. (laughs) Excellent. Um, Well, John, I'm going to start with you. Can you maybe give us a rundown of this story and tell us more about some of the, the cryptids or creatures that folks allegedly encountered while they were in Afghanistan? Yeah. So, I mean, first off, Jeff and I did this story last year, um, and it's kind of addressing a lot of little conspiracies that we've heard uh, pop up here and there over the years. And my first time coming into this story predated the that our story probably by like a couple years, maybe three, four years. And I think it was around Thanksgiving. I was just sitting at my mom's house. Uh, we had just wrapped up a meal. She came over, sat next to me on the couch and just said, did you hear the story? Uh, what happened in Afghanistan? And I said, you know, what are, what are you talking about? And she said, well, there was a giant and he ate a Marine. And I just thought, like, what the actual fuck are we talking about here? Because um, unfortunately, my mom is a person who kind of grew up in that generation where you had uh, a lot of Internet illiteracy, where if it's if it's online, it's got to be true. And she saw some things that were circulated on that topic and, and ran with it. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how much I would tell her, like, Mom, I think we would have covered this if it was real news. So that was kind of my introduction with this. And then Jeff kind of approached me on the topic after spotting this a couple a couple years back uh, on a blog or some military blog that we spotted. And, yeah, it was talking about the giants of Afghanistan, like these these ancient biblical creatures who were – having all these mysterious encounters with U.S. troops. So we we delved a little deeper and, and we found out some, you know, there are quite a bit of these stories circulating out there. Um, all of them equally bizarre. All of them equally fucking stupid, uh, in my opinion. But, you know, nonetheless fun. And we were able to have like a, a really good time piecing this together. Yeah, I want to ask you more about some of the specific interesting stories that stood out to each of you. Jeff, what was your first reaction when you saw this online? Um, did you also kind of think it was a little a little silly? Buddy, it was UFOs, cryptids, and ghosts, oh my, with a capital O and a capital M. I had never heard about this until I stumbled upon uh, this, I won't call it a conspiracy, maybe more diplomatically we'll call it a working theory of uh, giants and and other assorted uh, hellspawn that just happened to live in Afghanistan. We still to this day get emails from readers being like, do you have any more information about this? 
you know, what else can you tell us about, you know, the, the Kandahar giant and all that. And, you know, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say there might not be a ton of truthfulness behind it, but it just kind of reflects how the internet literacy and internet uh, hygiene can be lacking sometimes. But, you know, especially around Halloween, it's just, it's just a super fun thing to, um, to kind of contemplate. I mean, my favorite one has to be the giant of Kandahar referred to on on blogs as quote-unquote a biblical cryptid not just a a secular cryptid I mean we're talking a biblical cryptid here and this was apparently just a big kid standing you know over 13 feet tall that uh, U.S. Special Forces encountered in Kandahar way back in 2002 you know according to the lore uh Mr. Giant he might have been a Ms. Giant we we didn't nail down the gender sported a shock of flaming red hair this giant had six fingers on each hands and two rows of teeth. And at one point, uh, special forces had a tick with this uh, creature, the troops in contact. And apparently the giant killed one U.S. service member with a spear, only to be vanquished by the rest of the unit, courtesy of, quote, 30 seconds of sustained gunfire, end quote. So, you know, if you do encounter uh, a giant, you know, 30 seconds of sustained gunfire from one unit sounds like, that would do it. Giant of Kandahar is kind of the biggest one, but it's not the only giant encounter, so to speak, uh, that we covered. I think John could probably tell us a bit about the giant of Kunar. I mean, first of all, I want to talk about 30 seconds of sustained gunfire on a unit level. Like, how many rounds are we talking about that, that it took to actually level this thing? I also like the fact that it's, you know, the soldiers lo- loaded the the giant's corpse onto the helicopter and it was never seen again. That we deserve to know that information. We deserve to see what this thing looks like. We deserve to see two rows of teeth on each on each level. Like, what kind of lovely smile did this thing have? I, I wish we had a little bit more information coming from that. But in terms of uh, the giant of Kunar, all right. Well, this was supposedly spotted during a deployment between 2008-2009. Uh, there was a an infantry team leader who reportedly saw it. The soldier was looking through what he said. This was his uh, a newly mounted thermal scope. And when he was looking out through that scope, he saw a really large heat signature off in the distance. And as one would, this particular soldier thought, okay, that's probably a group of Taliban fighters, villagers, whoever it might be, just huddled together around a light or a fire up in the mountains. Um, and as he said, you know, all of a sudden this, the heat signature stood up in one motion as one being and the trees in that area that were around 10 or 12 feet tall, uh, this thing was at least that tall. And it just, that entire heat signature just maneuvered away from that light source. So, you know, he described the giant stride as, as slow and relaxed, uh, yet it moved with incredible speed. And as I noted, you know, that's just Maybe that's the Giants just chill yet purposeful vibe. Like he's just out there doing his giant stuff, having his giant meals. You wouldn't expect Giants to traipse around, you know. They're going to they're going to kind of move with a a purposeful stride, I think. Exactly. Yeah, no dilly-dallying in Giant Land. But he said, you know, he he believes what he saw was an ancient race of giants that he said descended from fallen angels, which is I mean, we're just we're looping in an entirely new element of of uh, religious aspects and, and everything that could possibly be gleaned from this. Or he said it could be a Sasquatch. So wide variety. 
why, Jeff, I'll go to you first. Why do you think this story has stuck with so many of our readers and viewers for so long? What is it about it that is so captivating? I think it's just really fun and kind of outlandish. and But it's just a fun kind of thing to to think about. And it's kind of mysterious. And, you know, this is, I'm just a civilian who covers the military, but I think for a lot of U.S. service members who served in Afghanistan, it was a very, very alien environment. Perhaps these stories did happen, but I also, you know, I think a lot of folks, you know, you're over there for a year, you're out every night. I mean, unexplained things might have kind of crossed your path or your transom. There was another guy, um, uh, an anonymous Air Force drone operator who was working in the northern part of Afghanistan during the war. And he was just, you know, droning, doing his thing. And he apparently spotted three giants, each standing about 12 feet tall. Um, he kind of measured them by the, you know, crosshair uh, in his drone. And uh, this drone guy apparently observed these three giants uh, for about 10 minutes and, you know, saw them kind of tending to their fire and, and performing other gigantic chores. He did note that the goats that were with them, quote, looked like cats next to them. So that gives you a, a nice sense of, uh, you know, size. And then there was another one in the Korangal Valley during a pre-op soak where, uh, you know, an airman, again, saw some giants kind of huddling around a fire. And, at, you know, one point he thought it was just two regular-sized dudes huddled together under a blanket but then they stood up and it was just one dude and he made the rest of the grown men there look like children in terms of uh, his height. And then we have an Australian officer who also apparently was on sentry duty at one point in the war. Again, to saw kind of a giant walking along doing that kind of loping, chill, giant stride. Um, this guy said he, he followed the giant's path for about five minutes and suspected it was 12 to 14 feet tall. So, Yeah, man, that's why I said like, 12 feet tall or 14 feet tall if it was his tinder profile <laughs> yeah exactly exactly you're gonna you're gonna boost that up on giant tinder have either of you ever seen something spooky like a giant walking around afghanistan or just in life i mean i i didn't have any gigantic encounters i personally didn't go to afghanistan so i, I can't speak to what some of these guys saw out there i went to iraq three times when I was in Iraq, I didn't come across any Fallujah giants. I didn't come across any Ramadi giants. What I did experience, and and this is not necessarily supernatural, but I will I will say that maybe certain conditions can lead people's minds to wander a little bit. And what I did encounter in Iraq were the absolute darkest nights that I've ever been a part of in my entire life. Because you're removing... All, almost all city artificial light. You're removing, uh, you know, any type of thing that might give away your position at the same time. So a lot of the time, your only light source was literally the moon. And if it was like a crescent moon or something like that and it's not out, you would come out of a building or anything that you might have a light source on and you're actually like putting your hands out in front of you to feel your way because you can't see and your eyes have not adjusted. Like it's that dark. There's a sensory deprivation there. So could this have had an impact in Afghanistan? I don't see why not. Who knows? But those, those natural elements absolutely have a play, uh, a, a role in how we perceive things in our day-to-day -day lives. And I think that absolutely could have been a factor 
for someone who, you know, allegedly did see something like this. Jeff, have you um, have you heard of any other spooky stories in regards to the military that stuck out to you? Yeah, just to piggyback on what John was saying in terms of these kind of things taking off, you know, I, I spent time, again, as a civilian reporter embedded with troops in Iraq and Afghanistan, and especially in Afghanistan, it can be scary as shit over there. And to John's point, the darkness is all-consuming in a way that you don't really see in the, the so-called Western or developed world. And in that environment, you can see why, you can see how kind of myths and, you know, phantom beasts can like take a hold of a person's imagination. Afghanistan is, is not, uh, does not have the modernity of the Western world. So it's almost like being over there was kind of a snapshot into a different time, so to speak, where, you know, giants walk the earth or, or cryptids are, are just around the corner and, and things like that. I have had some experiences with different military-related spookiness earlier in my career. Years ago, I worked for Stars and Stripes in Europe and the Middle East, and for a while I was living in England and covering the uh, U.S. Air Force units that are up there. There's a small base uh, down the road from RAF Lake and Heath that's called RAF Fairford. It's largely kind of an administrative base. This was earlier, you know, maybe 15 years ago. I don't even know if it's still open. But there was a um, fairly widespread belief there that there was a witch on RAF Fairford and that when the wind blew right at night, you could kind of hear her cackling or laughing. And I was told that by a, a senior enlisted guy. Maybe him going on the record believing that impacted his future career. I'm not sure. But spooky stories are kind of everywhere in military and civilian life and at the very least, they're really fun to consider around this time of year as, you're, as you've got Monster Mash on loop and you're just getting down, looking at Reddit on your phone or looking at you know, far-flung conspiracy corners of the internet. Do either of you have a favorite Halloween movie that you watch around this time of year? Halloween 3 Season of the Witch is low-key fantastic horror movie. It's the only one that does not feature Michael Myers for some reason. I don't know who made that decision. And it's very original. And so, yes, I highly recommend you checking out Halloween 3, colon, Season of the Witch. 10 out of 10. In recent years, I've been a big fan of uh, the the dude who directed, like, Hereditary and, and some of that. Uh, but honestly, I, I recently saw a horror movie that, again, it's, it's the same director who made Babadook. Um, and it's, it was made in Australia. So it's, it's just called talk to me. And it's about this just like phantom cast hand where you go through this little spell process and then you grasp the hand and you connect with someone on the other side. And it's, uh, it was a truly terrifying movie and horror is, is something that's hard to do well. And I think that did, it was an outstanding movie. So that, it immediately became one of my favorites. I did want to say, in terms of like other horror items, like along those those dark nights, like in Iraq, now I'm, the first time I went there, like I'm 19 years old, right? And I'm a kid from just outside of DC, Northern Virginia, used to just like DC area life, not not a lot of outdoorsy experience, nothing. And I didn't realize how many coyotes and, and things were out there. So it was, I mean, legitimately like a few of those first nights where you had very little light 
and you're walking from one place to the next and you hear these packs of coyotes in the distance and they sounded to my ears like a woman wailing, just horrific crying. That scared the shit out of me when I was there because you also have your nerves are on edge because of everything that's going on. You know, Fallujah was right next door to us, like all these things. You know, this was end of 2005, but you're just, yeah, hearing these sounds coupled with the lack of, of light and, and modernity, like Jeff was saying, like it really took a while for me to adjust to that uh, and, and get that, get over that pucker factor a little bit. I do remember back in 09, I was embedded with a unit in the Jalrez district of Wardok province in Afghanistan. And the first paranormal activity had just come out and like different troops of different ranks were all like legit spooked and freaked out by it. I remember the, uh, the first Sergeant in the unit, you know, kind of half joking about being in his own room and that not being a great thing after he watched that movie or something like that. So, you know, even the most high speed troops can get spooked by stuff, I suppose. Do you think giants of Kandahar would make a good film? Yes. They can make a fantastic film, and I think me and John are going to get to work on a military-themed horror screenplay once we put this next print issue to bed. I'm looking forward to that, seeing that movie, and I'm very grateful for you both joining the pod. So thank you again, and happy Halloween. That's it for us this morning. To get more of the top stories and breaking news, go to defensenews.com EBB to subscribe to the Early Bird Brief newsletter. Please give us a like, rating, and a comment wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at defense underscore news and at military times. This episode of the Early Bird Brief was hosted and produced by me, Jonathan Lairfeld. If you enjoyed our conversation today, be sure to check out Jeff and John's work at militarytimes.com. Our editor-in-chief is Mike Gruse. Have a great day. Thank you.